Good morning, Lake Forest. Are y'all awake? You got to be awake when you in a sermon with a uh, verse that says the woman and the man were naked and they were not ashamed. So it's a good day. Things are really good. Uh, but yet sometimes in our life we ask the question, what went wrong? I thought everything was going so well, then out of, a, out of the blue, next thing I know, something went wrong. We read uh, this passage in, uh, in the Psalms of the Lord has created us and made us beautifully, we're wonderfully made, and now we read this verse here of uh, the woman and the man, they're, they're created and they're naked and they feel no shame, and yet somewhere down the road, something went wrong. Maybe you've asked that question, even this morning, what went wrong? We started off okay, but by the time we got to church, what went wrong? A lot of us look as well and, and look back even over 20 years of our life and kind of go, what went wrong? My first real experience of that question that really broke my heart more than anything was when I was 16 years old. There was a girl that I was dating for about two months, someone I liked really a lot. Everything going great, so I thought. I went over to see her. I even brought her a gift. I gave her this gift. She opened it. She said she liked it, and then she was quiet. And then those words that no 16-year-old wants to hear came out. I want to break up. Crushed my heart. I was speechless. I had no clue. All I could ask for a couple of weeks was, what went wrong? I thought everything was going great. Now, a little over a month after that, we got back together. She came to her senses. And we, began, we continued to date. And a year later, I flipped it, and I broke up with her. She was speechless. She's caught completely off guard. I know she had to be asking, what went wrong? While I'm sitting there going, yeah, it doesn't feel good, does it? Now, I know, I know that sounds a little mean, that I got her back a year later. She got over it. We've been married for 30 years now. <laughs> and as we walk through the Bible over this uh, next year, we are looking at the whole story, everything that God created um, and, and how he started this. And we started in Genesis 1 and how he created everything in Genesis chapter 1. And in, we're given this picture in seven days how he creates all of this. And his conclusion after creating all this is it's good. It's good. And this morning we read how good it is, the man and the woman, they're naked, there's no shame. It's a good day. But then you jump up to chapter 3. And these are the words that we hear in verses 8 through 11. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, well, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And he, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? So in two chapters, we've gone from naked and not ashamed to the very first episode of Naked and Afraid. 
So let's go backwards. Let's see how it all unfolds while we're asking this question, what went wrong? Chapter 1, you're given this picture that the author of uh, the book of Genesis is actually trying to move us pretty rapidly. And he's given this picture in chapter 1 of how God created everything. And his, then in chapter 2, he looks at us and he says, okay, I gave you a picture of how God created everything in seven days, but I want to come back to day 6. And I want to focus on day 6 because something happened in day 6 as well that's important in the story. Now, the big thing for you to notice in the book of Genesis, the author is trying to move us through pretty quickly because he's finding there's something far more important than the way that God created everything. He wants us to get something bigger out of the book of Genesis. So he narrows the focus in day, two, in, uh, day six in chapter two. So let's unpack chapter two a little bit so we can figure out what went wrong. Verses eight and nine. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Now in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So capture this, let's get our head around what's going on. There are all kinds of trees. All of them are pleasing to the eye and they're all good for food. Remember that. It's a critical part of this entire story. More specifically, though, we're told about these two trees that are sitting right in the middle of the garden. There's the tree of life, and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And for right now, all we know about these are they sit in the middle, and they are also pleasing to the eye and good for food. But then verse 15, we're told a little bit more. The Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, reading that verse, I know some of you are thinking, oh, I see the word work, and you automatically go, oh, that's what went wrong. Man had to go to work, and so that's what went wrong. Sorry, guys. Sorry, folks. Work is actually a good thing. It was here before the fall, before everything went wrong. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So we learn a little bit more here about these two trees, specifically about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's told, do not eat from this tree. If you eat of it, you'll die. Now, it's interesting in here, there are lots of things in this passage that happen throughout this story that kind of clearly show you that what went wrong has not happened yet. Here's one of those. God gives a command, and there's not even a hint from Adam except of, of asking any questions. The only thing you see from Adam is, okay, you said not to do it, okay. I won't do it. So you already see here that what's gone wrong has not happened because when God says things to us now, if you're like me, we tend to follow it up with all kinds of things like, well, um, it looks like all the other trees. Why is it not good for food? But Adam just simply takes God's word from it and says, okay. Now, if I'm in this situation, I'm at least going to ask God, okay, what do you mean by die? 
I don't even know that word. What does that mean? But you don't see anything from Adam except for okay. So there's a sign there that what's went wrong has not happened. Or we're given the first sign of what a typical male is like. Typical males, we don't ask a lot of questions. You see, I'm a pastor and I'm all the time hearing about people who have babies. And so I come home and I tell my wife, so-and-so had a baby. And I'm like, yay, isn't that wonderful? She said, that's great. Then she has the nerve to ask me questions like, was it a boy or a girl? I don't know, they had a baby. Okay, was everything okay? I'm assuming the baby's here. What time was it born? I don't know, they had a baby. Well, what's his name? Well, duh, if I knew his name, I'd be able to tell you if it was a boy or a girl. See, men, we don't ask those questions. And that's a lot of what's going on here. See, all the men in here are shaking their head. That's exactly right, isn't it? But Adam is showing here either that he trusts God or, and or he's a typical male and he just doesn't ask a lot of questions. But the story continues. Verse 18, God decides it's not good for the man to be alone. So he creates a helper. But before that, he brings all of these animals up to Adam and says, name all of them. Let's see if we can find a suitable helper for you. And Adam's able to not, he's naming all these animals and God determines, see, none of these animals, even the dog is not your best friend. You need a more suitable helper. Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, whoa, man. Did you guys get that? That's how the name came. This is now bone of my bones, is what he says. Flesh of my flesh, she'll be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, united to his wife, they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So that's where we picked up the story this morning. Now, I know some of you are also looking at this, and you're thinking, oh, there it is. That's what went wrong. Woman was created. Sorry, guys, that's not it either. Actually, things got even better when the woman showed up. It was good, and they were both there, naked, no shame. But then we jump into chapter three, and we're still asking this question, so what went wrong? Because everything's pretty good right here. Man's walking in the garden with his wife, naked, no shame, enjoying fellowship with God. Every tree in the garden is pleasing to the eye, good for food. There's one tree they can't eat from, but they can eat from everything else. Verse 1 of chapter 3. There's a serpent that shows up. And the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, we can eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. And he asked the woman, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Did he really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? 
And the woman says, no, he didn't say that, but he did say we can't eat from the trees in the middle of the garden. In fact, we can't even touch them. Now, this is really important. Here's what you've got to capture from this. God gives a direct command to Adam, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or you'll die. He doesn't give that command to Eve. He gives it to Adam. Well, how does Eve know this information? Adam passed it along. How do you know Adam passed it along? Well, let's look at what she tells the serpent. She tells the serpent, we can't eat from any tree in the middle. In fact, we can't even touch it. Now, you can imagine how that conversation went, because that's not exactly what God said. You can imagine how this God, this, this, this conversation goes. Adam's laying here, look, woman, laying here all naked with no shame. You see that tree right there in the garden? Which tree? That one right there in the, in the middle. The one on the right or the one on the left? Those in the middle, right there. You see those trees? Yeah, I see them. What about them? Don't eat from them. In fact, don't even touch them. In fact, don't go near them. Well, why? Because you'll die. And God said so. And so Adam's passed on this information, not to, not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He's saying, don't even go close to the ones in the middle. Stay far away from them. And then they move on. But yet the serpent comes and questions. You won't certainly die, verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from that tree, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent is trying to deceive Eve. But here's what you have to understand about what the serpent just said to her. Everything he just said to her is true. God did know that their eyes would be open. God did know that they'd become like him, knowing good and evil. Yet the serpent is trying to twist the reasoning behind God saying, do not eat from this. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But after hearing the serpent and what he said, she again looks at this tree and she sees something different this time. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Now what's interesting here is the man is standing right here with her, and he doesn't stop her. Instead, he takes some and he eats it as well. And after he ate of the fruit, what the serpent told them would happen actually happened. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. As soon as Adam ate of this tree, their eyes were open. And they began to understand evil. And evil changed their whole perspective. They then went from being naked and unashamed to naked shame 
fear. And here we're back at this, where we started this morning of where it went wrong. And the first sign that you can see of when things go wrong is our first reactions when something goes wrong is shame, fear. We begin to hide. I'm going to assume and I'm going to guess that every one of us in this room know exactly what I'm talking about there. That when you've done something wrong, the very first thing that rears its head is shame. And then it, it moves into us being afraid, and we begin to hide. We begin to hide a, a, a lie. We begin to hide from others. We begin to hide from God, just like Adam did. And they're hiding, and, and God shows up in verse 11 and says, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And then we see another reaction when something is wrong. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The woman, God, that you made for me, God, she's the one who gave it to me. It's her fault or it's your fault. It's anybody's fault but mine. And that tends to be our next reaction many times, isn't it? After we are feeling shame, after we hide, we then begin to blame anyone except ourselves. God then asked the woman, okay, what happened? She blames the serpent. God doesn't even ask the serpent what happens. He just looks at the serpent and curses the serpents. So up to this point in our sermon and in this story, what we see is all the reactions from when something is wrong. And yet we don't know still the answer to the question, well, what went wrong? Was what went wrong just that they ate some bad fruit? Or is there something more in this story? Well, the hint in all of this is verse 6. Verse 6 of chapter 3 tells you what went wrong. The serpent made the woman question if eating from the tree was bad. He made her question if God was telling them to not eat of it to protect them or to be more powerful than them. See, she trusted God, but the serpent now makes her wonder if God is holding out on her. And so she looks at the tree. She sees what she already knows about the tree. It's pleasing to the eye. It's good for food. But then she decides something on her own. It's also desirable for wisdom. She acts on how she sees and understands and eats from the tree. The man takes her word for it, and he eats, and it all goes wrong. And it's easy for us to look at this story and to look at Adam and Eve and go, really, guys? Was it that hard to not eat from this tree? Was it really that hard to not trust God's word? See, it's easy for us to look at Adam and Eve and think, it's not that hard to trust God's word. Why didn't you do it? And yet we have to look at our own lives and go, it's really not that hard to trust God's word. Why don't you do it? And here's the reality. Here's what went wrong. What went wrong is the same thing 
that goes wrong today with us. When we trust what we see and what others say over God's word, it will go wrong. Anytime that you trust what you see or you trust what somebody else is saying over and above what God's word would say, it will go wrong. When we believe that the way we see things, the way we interpret something, we trust our understanding, we trust somebody else's counsel, we believe these things are more valuable than God's word, it's going to go wrong. When you decide to trust your own financial judgment instead of God's plan of tithing, it will go wrong. When you decide to test out the marriage bed outside of marriage, it will go wrong. When we decide to take revenge instead of turning the other cheek, it will go wrong. When we decide to trust the news, social media, share our opinions on Facebook, instead of trusting healthy conversation with people, it will go wrong. When you see COVID, political turmoil, financial instability, anger, riots of all kinds, and you determine that God has lost control, it will go wrong. Whenever you choose to trust what you see and what you determine or what else someone else will say over and above God's word, I promise you, it'll go wrong. And that is how it all went wrong. The man put more trust in the word of the woman and what she saw more than God's command to him. He knew God's word, and he still had a hard time following it. For many of us, we're not real sure of God's word, and so it's going to be really hard to follow it. And that's the very reason we believe it's critical that we as a church gather together in worship to hear teaching from God's Word. We believe it's critical this year to gather in communities and to read God's Word. We believe it's critical this year that we spend the whole year telling the whole story, being in God's Word all together this year, because if you don't know God's Word, you can't trust it and you can't follow it. And then it all goes wrong. We're in a time where there's so many opinions, different perspectives, they're being rammed in our face. We have to know God's word because everyone else's word is being screamed really loud right now. It's why we're encouraging all of us to be in God's word this year as much as you can. So can I ask you this question? What are you hearing? What are you seeing these days? What's shaping your decision more than anything? If you're spending a lot of time listening to the news, you're going to follow what they say and what they see far more than God's Word. If you're spending a lot of time on social media right now, you're going to follow what it says and what you see and what you hear far more than God's Word. If you spend most of your time watching the stock market, 
You're going to make financial decisions only based off of what's happening there and what you see instead of trusting God's Word. Whatever it is that you spend the majority of your time looking at, listening to, it's going to advise all of your decisions, and you're going to follow that more than God's Word, and it's going to go wrong. Now, I realize that many people don't read the Bible because sometimes it's hard to understand, and that's why we're reading it together this year. Sometimes a lot of people don't read the Bible because you think it's outdated. Well, let's put that to the test this morning. Let's see if God's Word is really outdated. Let's look at the very first command that He gave humanity, and let's see if it's outdated. The very first command, don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil or you'll die. The serpent questions, well, you won't die. He just knows that if you eat of it, you'll have knowledge just like he is of good and evil. You won't really die. You can't trust God's word that you're going to die. Well, let's put it to the test. You see, God knew that the man and, his, and the woman's eyes would be open. He knew that they'd be like him, knowing good and evil. He also knew enough for him to simply tell them, don't eat from it. That's all you need to know, or you'll die. But he did realize that if they ate of it, their eyes would be open to the knowledge of good and evil. And here's what God knew. God knew that they were never designed to be able to hold on to the breadth of good and evil. He knew it would kill them. Okay, let's put it to the test. What's this past year been like for everyone that's exposed to the breadth of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, what's your world been like this year? As you've watched the news, social media, all the reports of all the evil around us, let's narrow it. What's your life been like these last two weeks? As we've heard of the Capitol being overtaken, the presidential impeachment, COVID is growing, it's getting worse, schools are now shutting down again. Countless stories of all these things around us going wrong. What's your spirit been like? It's killing us because we're seeing all of this evil, and we're trying to see good, and we're trying to make sense of it all, and it's killing us inside. We're seeing anger, we're seeing depression, we're seeing revenge, we're seeing hatred of all kinds all around us. Why? Because God knew that if you had the understanding of good and evil, you were never designed to hold on to all of it and it would kill you. And we're watching this right in front of us as we're trying in our own spirit to make sense of all that's going wrong and also stuff that is good. And God is saying, I never designed you to hold the breath of that. Only I can do that. I designed you to sit in good. And yet, we're dying because we can't hold on to it all. Depression, suicide, anger, hatred, it's killing us, and God knew it would. And that's why he said, don't eat from that tree. 
still think God's word is outdated? I don't. I think his word is very, very applicable, even all the way back to his first command. I think it's applicable when he looks at us and says, trust my word. When I tell you, don't do this, or when I tell you, do do this, do it. I know you want to question, I know you want to wrestle, but do you trust that I know you and I designed you and I have something bigger for you? You see, I want my life to be defined as a man that trusted God's word far more than his own understanding. And here's a practical step I want to share with you that I'm taking these days to try and see and to listen to God far more than what I notice. This is a couple of new rules I've placed in my life. No news or social media in the morning at all. I get up. I grab a cup of coffee, I open up God's Word. After that, I try most of the time to exercise, I get a shower, and I go to work. My goal when I show up at work is to hear people say, did you see what happened? Did you see the news this morning? And my goal is, my answer is, nope, I didn't. Why don't you tell me what they're saying? My other goal is I don't watch any news and I don't do any social media after 8 p.m. Here's why I'm doing this. I don't want to start my day or end my day being shaped by what the news and social media and everybody else is telling me is true. I want my day to start and end with, God, how do you see things? And that's how I want to learn how to see things. But then, after I get up through breakfast, as I get to work and I find out all the news, I want to be able to see those things through the eyes of God and not look at God's Word through the eyes of all of this other stuff. So that's just a practical step I've taken, and I want to challenge you. Change how you start and how you end your day. Commit to being sure you're hearing and learning God's Word first. To end this part of the story, mankind is now in a broken relationship with God. And God could have actually reacted with great anger, brought destructive justice, yet here's a theme that you're going to see as we walk through this entire year. You're going to see this theme over and over and over in the Bible. You'll see a theme of sin, judgment, and grace. Man sins. God judges, and God shows grace. In this story, man sinned. He trusted what he saw instead of God's word. God's judgment, he brings a curse. You can actually read about these curses in chapter 3, but it's really important you catch what God curses. He looks at the man. He says, I'm going to curse your work. Your work's going to get harder. He looks at the woman. I'm going to curse childbirth. It's going to be very painful. But he looks at the serpent and says, I'm going to curse you. Now, that's really important because you notice in here, nowhere ever in the Bible does God ever curse humanity. He loves humanity. He curses our work. He makes things harder, but he never curses you. He wants us to blossom. He wants us to succeed. But he knows that if you don't listen to my word, things get harder. 
And so you see this theme all the way through. God never curses humanity. And even here, any time that you see his judgment, you see his grace coming. Instead of cursing, God closed them. He moves them out of the garden so they don't remain in this state for all of eternity. Verse 22, the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life now and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. You see, in God's grace, he banished the man from the garden so that he would not eat of the tree of life and remain like this forever. And God said, I won't let you stay like this forever. You're going to be like this until my son Jesus Christ comes and he dies the death that you need to die, and yet he gives you life again. You see, you have judgment, but yet my grace is on its way. The rest of the Bible is leading us to this grace that God has shown. But it's the grace that you and I are available to right now. So let me ask you this morning, what went wrong? What's the place where you chose to not believe God's word? Where have you listened more to others and what you see more than God's word? Where are you feeling shame? Fear, where are you hiding? Who told you you were naked? In what ways have you felt judgment from God? Do you realize that his judgment always is followed by grace? If you can't see his grace right now, let me reveal it a little bit. I want to reveal it this morning in simply that he has shared this story with you of humanity falling, his judgment coming, but yet his grace. And he wants you to know that even if you've fallen, there might feel judgment, but his grace is here. And his grace sits in what Jesus Christ has done. And he's asking you the question, do you believe that my son Jesus died on the cross and covered your sin, removed all shame, it removed all blame, and he has freed you from that. Do you believe my word? Or do you believe what you see and what you understand? Because it's easy to believe what you see and understand and think, there's no way you can forgive this. And God is saying, oh, yes. But you've got to believe my word over what you see and determine. This morning as we close in worship, do you believe that Jesus Christ has made you clean? Do you believe God's word that through the power of Jesus, he has washed you and you are clean? There's no reason to hide anymore. Let me pray for us. Father, it is so hard sometimes to believe your word because my goodness, right in front of us are the things that we see and we determine. And they just feel like they're more believable. But what it means to trust and to love you is to believe in what we can't see. And instead, believing and trusting your word.
So I pray this morning for anybody who's listening that they make a choice today to believe and to follow your word more than what they see and what they understand. Let us know your mercy and grace this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.